0: Hello, 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 Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to the same old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Brain, we're going streaking.
1: Oh, why can't this team do anything right? We're going streaking.
2: We're going streaking.
0: Yeah. Ah. Two straight wins. You, you you're you're very frustrated. It's frustrating. Talk talk to you me know, about your frustrations. When you want this team to win,
1: they they tease you and then screw it up. As you know, right when you think that everything is that they're doing everything the right way, they screw it up. And when you want this team to lose, because after 20 years of mediocrity, they're finally doing something different and they finally have themselves a clear path to turning this whole thing around and it's all going the right way, they can't do that right either.
0: Yeah, they, if I mean, as far as the tank goes, it would seem the tank is completely off the rails here. Now, it's not. It's not impossible that the Dolphins still end up with the number one pick, but the way things are going on the current trajectory, it seems highly unlikely, with the Dolphins now having won two straight games, the Cincinnati Bengals are still winless, and the Washington Redskins still only have one win, but in spite of all of that, Tankathon still has the Miami Dolphins sitting pretty at the fourth spot in the draft, and... The teams in front of the Dolphins in the draft order are Cincinnati, Washington, and the Giants. The Giants we know are not, are probably not looking to draft a quarterback. They're, they're probably feeling okay with Daniel Jones and Washington has Dwayne Haskins. Cincinnati has a rookie quarterback as well, but probably not somebody that they're committed to long term. But I think there is. There is a world in which at least Washington and New York are not in the draft looking for a quarterback. And in light of the game this weekend between LSU and Alabama, I think a lot, a lot of people are starting to warm up to the idea of Joe Burrow, even if, if Tua ultimately is not available, because at, at the moment it really feels like Tua to Cincinnati is where things are going. But the other thing to consider is that Cincinnati is a wacky franchise and there's no guarantee that Cincinnati would take Tua with the number one overall pick anyway, just because that organization is is as dysfunctional and strange as, as the Dolphins are a lot of times. But at any rate, the Dolphins are still sitting in fourth and they've still got a lot of draft capital. Part of the way things have been moving in this previous offseason and with the way the Dolphins have ch- stripped down the roster this year and traded players away. The idea was that even if we didn't end up with the number one pick, we had the draft capital available to move into it. Now, so if the Dolphins do have that guy that they are looking for, they're going to be ready to sell the farm in order to get, get that player as far as draft picks are concerned. But I think when you talk about draft picks and you talk about how disappointing it is that the Dolphins are, you know, not going to be able to have that number one pick, I think you have to also look at the positive here. And I think it's probably the biggest positive to take away is that Brian Flores and his coaching staff are doing wonders with a roster that has almost no talent. It is almost completely bereft of talent. And Brian Flores and the Dolphins the coaching staff have managed to uh, pick up a couple wins in a row, which is, which is pretty impressive. Now it's a win against the New York jets, which that's their own disaster. And it's a win over the Indianapolis Colts who were starting the guy who was their third string quarterback before Andrew luck retired at the beginning of the season. So it's, these are not huge wins, but the results notwithstanding, the thing that I think is the key takeaway here is how hard these guys are playing and frankly the way that defense is looking is is really impressive and I think you're you know you've you've heard the old saying that you can make chicken salad out of chicken shit and I think that that is a very good way to describe what Brian Flores and his team are doing right now. Um, on Twitter at Ron Kniff, NFL said we're we were up fourteen to nine at Buffalo with a first and goal. We were up fourteen to nothing at Pittsburgh. We were a yard away from beating the Redskins. We've won two in a row. What Flores and company have done with this roster is the most encouraging thing I've seen in twenty years as a Finns fan. <laughs> what do you think <laughs> about that?
1: I think that's overstating it a bit to have leads. <laughs> to have leads against mediocre teams and win two games look I don't want to take away from what Brian Flores has done especially with what he's done with this defense because there isn't a lot of talent there aside from Christian Wilkins who is a first round pick and Raquan McMillan uh, a second round pick Jerome Baker a third round pick I mean there's not th- I mean there's not a lot of highly touted Players on this defense. In fact, the majority of the defense that they're throwing out there are guys that they picked up off the scrap heap. John Jenkins, a late ad right before the season starts. Uh, Vince Beagle, a trade, you know, a th- basically a throwaway trade. Kiko Alonso for Vince Beagle. Uh, Nick Needham, an undrafted free agent that started the season on the practice squad. Some of the guys in this secondary, uh, aside from him, just like, You know, just picked up off the scrap heap. Uh, and they're getting better every week and they're just, they're playing disciplined, solid football. They're not blowing anybody away with, with talent and these, you know, plays that, you know, jump off the screen. No, they're just, they're playing responsible assignment football and they're, they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're doing their job. Very much like Patriots defenses of old. You know, before the Patriots had, you know, a ton of talent that they had accrued by having 12 draft picks every single year. They built the foundation of championship teams by just having players that work hard, do their job, and don't screw it up. And that's what the Dolphins are doing is they're just... They're playing disciplined football. They're not screwing it up. And they're waiting for the other team to make the mistake. And then they're being opportunistic. And that's really encouraging because when you look at the the coaching staff that Brian Flores and, and company took over from, it was the exact opposite. It was a bunch of guys that seemed to never be where they were supposed to be, could never get on the same page consistently the most penalized team in the league or one of and th- we're seeing the exact opposite and because of it under Ryan uh, under Adam Gase what you saw was a team that consistently seemed to underperform and now you've got a team that is consistently seeming to get better and overperform in spite of probably having the least talented roster in the NFL so it's a look, that part of it is very encouraging. Is it the most encouraging thing that we've seen in the last twenty years? I don't know about that. um I mean we <laughs> the one thing that you've got to ca- that I'm trying to caution myself and caution other dolphins fans is doing what we've done with two of the past three dolphins regimes. Joe Philbin omitted from this. That first year of, of Tony Sperano, you know, the Dolphins coming off of a 1 and 15 season where they were nearly 0 and 16 and they shocked the world going 11 and 5 and making the playoffs. And I know that the Wildcat was a big part of it, but it wasn't all Wildcat. It was solid defense, efficient play, not making mistakes, cutting down on turnovers. This team isn't so much cutting down on tu- turnovers, but being a smart, disciplined, tough football team turned into 11 wins, and we're all singing the praises of Tony Sperano, and then three or four years later, we're firing him, and we're talking about how he was a terrible head coach. And then, you know, fast forward through the, through the Philbin years, and then to Adam Gase's first season, after a rough start, the Dolphins end up making the playoffs, and you have people calling Adam Gase the next Don Shula, and... Now we're all seemingly in agreement that Adam Gase is one of the worst coaches in football. So I don't want to overreact to small sample sizes. The most important thing, as much as I want to sing the pra- praises of Brian Flores and as much as I'm encouraged by what is going on on the field with the on field product, the most important thing is this team needs a lot more talent. If they're going to contend for a Super Bowl. Because again, the goal is not to be competitive and try to make playoffs. You know, and try to be just a solid team that that can be competitive every week. The goal is to be competitive for championships for a decade. And the only way that you're going to get there is by getting talent and especially at the quarterback position and winning football games right now is not helping us do that uh so look it's still very likely that we're going to end up with a top five pick and you know it's still it's still pretty likely that we're going to end up with you know one of those two quarterbacks that we want but with the trajectory going the way it is, if this team continues to play better, which again you, I feel conflicted about saying, the fact is is that we're putting ourselves in a position where we're either not going to get the quarterback that we want or we're going to have to give up a sizable amount of that draft capital to get it, which look, I'm in favor of because you get the quarterback one way or another. But it'd be a lot nicer if we could get that quarterback without trading all these other picks that we have.
0: Yeah, that was a comment that I made on Twitter last night, actually. Um, It's that people, particularly people who were against the idea of tanking and, and who wanted to see this team win as many games as possible this season, one of their biggest justifications why they didn't like the idea of losing was they said, well, Chris Greer is... Not to be trusted with making draft picks and he's still not to be trusted. Right, well, but that's, that's my point, right? The point is that he's got a better chance of making the right choices, theoretically. If the dolphins are picking higher in the draft, the higher you're picking, the more likely that those players that you pick are going to succeed and that the further down the draft you have to go, And the more draft capital that you have to spend in order to move up in the draft to get the guys that you want means it puts more pressure on Chris Greer to get his job done. And in fact, the fact that Brian Flores and this coaching staff is doing what it's doing with these players right now in 2019 really is increasing the pressure on Chris Greer. Because if this team, uh, if he's able to do this with these kinds of players, What could we do with actual talent? So the pressure really goes on to Chris Greer's shoulders to make the right draft picks and to get the right guys into this team so that Brian Flores can coach them. Will he be able to do that? That remains to be seen. All I'm saying is that with each passing win, his job gets harder and suddenly there's much more weight on every decision that he has to make Going forward, so it's uh, you know, and
1: not to mention, not to mention that you know those picks, you know that Steelers pick that we thought was going to be really good, potentially a top five, but you know at least a top ten pick. It doesn't look like a top ten pick anymore. I mean, right now the way the Steelers are playing, that might be a pick in the twenties. That Houston, as of
0: right now, as of right now, the Pittsburgh pick is twenty two, and the Houston pick is twenty six. That's where
1: we are right now.
0: And like, you
1: know, look, there's still first round picks and they still have value. Uh, But, I mean, it's considerably less value than a top 10 pick. And so now you start looking at that Minka Fitzpatrick trade and you say, well, you know, look, yeah, I know that he was disgruntled. But remember when we we first, when the rumors first came out that we said, okay, we're going to shop Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, you know, the the thought was, well, you use what the number 11 pick on him. So you should probably get more than just and you and you've proven that he's a quality player and he's not a bust. So you should get more than just a first. And not only did they not get more than a first, but now it appears they're going to get less than the number 11 pick back. So that ends up being a negative trade.
0: Yeah, well, and especially as Minka Fitzpatrick is currently on track to be, if not the defensive player of the year in the NFL, one of the one of the finalists for it. He is yeah. having an incredible season for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but we're going to uh we're going to. Talk about our positive and take our positive and negative takeaways from this game against Indianapolis. Shortly, we've got a couple of Twitter questions that we're going to get to as well. But before we do that, we want to invite everybody to follow the show on Twitter at Sam Old Dolphins if you're not already. Aaron is at Aaron the brain that's aaron the brain on Twitter and I am at amplified to rock and of course make sure that you uh, head over to Apple podcasts and subscribe to the show leave us a five-star rating and a positive review it really helps us get the word out uh, on the show and we really appreciate you taking the time to do that so brain we've talked about our biggest takeaway uh, from this Colts game which is that Brian Flores and his coaching staff are really inspiring these players. And if you want to call it a culture, you can call it a culture. Whatever it is, he's creating an environment where these players are playing hard for the team. But what were some of your other big positive takeaways from this game? For me, it's the play of Nick Needham. Nick Needham. He's, uh, he's showing up over here.
1: Look, this guy's going to be a fan favorite because... He was an undrafted guy that, that got signed to the team and then got thrust into a starting role in the preseason when, when Eric Rowe was out and we were resting Xavier and Howard. And Nick Needham got absolutely torched in the preseason. And it was, you never saw his effort or enthusiasm waver but you oh, you just kept consistently seeing him get beat. So the thought was, well this guy's just not big enough, he's just not fast enough. It's not for lack of effort, but this guy just doesn't have what it takes. But whether it was through work ethic or you know, technique and smarts, he did enough to get onto the practice squad, make enough of an impression with this coaching staff that he made it to the practice squad. Then he gets called off the signed off the practice squad and you're thinking all right well he's just a depth player he's not anybody that we're going to rely on he's literally been the Dolphins best cornerback the last three weeks and it's not like he's been the best cornerback by default because nobody's any good he's been balling out there (laughs) uh and now he's getting cocky now he's now he's got some swagger to him. he makes a play he's got his arms up now. I don't know i you know I'd kind of like to see him tone that down a little bit, but it's nice to see him playing well, playing with confidence and still doing all of the right things that you want to see and so he's got to be growing on all dolphins fans you you're you're not alone in that one, so yeah, Nick Needham. Definitely one of the the bright spots over the last few weeks in this uh, Dolphins defense that over the last month has been at least average, which is amazing considering the lack of talent or lack of perceived talent, I should say.
0: Sure. What are some of your other positive takeaways from this Dolphins victory over the Indianapolis Colts?
1: Um, just... The consistency of, uh, Devontae Parker continuing to step up and just do his thing. And he, he looks like a guy that the Dolphins can count on. And I, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be here next year. I believe as long as he keeps doing what he's doing, he's earned that second year of his contract and. Look, will he ever be, you know, the elite number 1 receiver that we all hoped he would be when he came out uh of Louisville a, a few years ago? I don't know. I don't think so, but he looks to at the very least be a very solid uh NFL wide receiver. And a you know, a guy that when you pair with Preston Williams gives you a pretty solid tandem of two really big Talented wide receivers that can make, that can be targets in the red zone, that can go downfield, that can do some things in the short to intermediate game. And then really you're just looking to find a couple of intermediate, you know, complementary pieces that, that can be productive out of the slot. Now, maybe Jakeem Grant is an answer there. I think Albert Wilson just looks like a shell of himself. So I don't think he's any kind of long term answer, but our picture at wide receiver, if Devontae Parker and Preston Williams uh, are both on this team long-term, it gets a lot clearer and it's a lot easier uh, to to plan for going forward. Uh, and Chris Laird, or I'm sorry, Patrick Laird. See, I, I we can't even get his name right because we don't know who this guy is, an undrafted free agent, but... He, he popped in the, in, in the preseason when nobody thought he had a chance to make the team. He ended up on the practice squad and now he finally gets in there and he's running guys over. He's doing things in the, you know, catching balls out of the backfield. He looks a lot better than, uh, than Kalen Balaj. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Kalen Garbage. Ah, Excuse me.
0: Gotcha.
1: So yeah, I want to see more of, of Patrick Laird. Miles Gaskin got into the game and, Might have gotten a touchdown, uh, on a fourth and goal, if not for, uh, a pass getting tipped, uh, by a defensive lineman. But he, he didn't really play much of a factor in this game, but I'd like to see more of those guys going forward. Uh, aside from that, Jerome Baker continues to get better blitz as a blitzer. This is, uh, I think the second week in a row where he's, he's come clean on a blitz where he's, you know, just, Timed it perfectly, filled his gap and it just kind of exploded through it and made a big play. So he continues to get better as the season goes on. And just the defense as a whole, defending the run, a Colts offense that has been one of the better running offenses in the league. And they held him to less than four yards a carry. Uh, so just, just really impressive performance by by the Dolphins defense. I know it was Brian Hoyer and he looked awful in this game and maybe it wouldn't have looked as good if T.Y. Hilton is out there and Jacoby Brissett is out there, but you play who you play and the Dolphins defense stepped up big time in this game.
0: I also want to give a shout out to Jason Sanders. Jason Sanders got the shout out from Brian Flores in the locker room after the game, made three field goals, a forty-seven, forty-eight, and forty-eight yards. Heck of a Jason performance. Jason Sanders is a stud. He's J- a stud. Jason I mean, Sanders. He, yes,
1: he he had a he he had a rough start to the year, but it's nice to see that it hasn't gotten into his head. Uh, and and he's bounced back because he looks. I mean, he had a great rookie year, and after a after a rough start, this was a great game by him, and I I just think. He, he's a stud kicker. I mean, he's kicking the ball out of the end zone on almost every kickoff. That's as good a draft pick as Chris Greer has made in his
0: tenure. What does that say? Exactly. Exactly. What about the negatives? I'll start with the obvious and, and perhaps most glaring, and they go hand in hand. One is the offensive line continues to be a dumpster fire. It's it's really, that's probably the unit that is going to need to be completely reinvented going forward. It's just kind of a mess. And as a result, Kalen Balage, or as we affectionately call him on the same old Dolphin Show, Kalen Garbage. Is it affectionate? Maybe it's affectionate. Maybe it's not. It, it, he is just... I'm really looking forward to Mark Walton getting back. Kalen Bellage was just terrible. <laughs> 20 rushes for 43 yards. He's constantly running into guys. He seems to have no vision at all, no ability to find running lanes. And granted, there probably weren't a lot of running lanes for him, but we've seen other other running backs like Mark Walton, behind the same offensive line, at least figure something out. Bellage is just a straight up and down runner. And unless he's got a gaping hole to run through, like he did last year against Minnesota, he just seems to have no ability to dodge players of either team. And so it was a struggle for him. So I'm hoping that as things go forward here, that maybe next week, when the Dolphins come home against Buffalo, we'll see Patrick Laird get a bit more involved. We'll see Miles Gaskin get a bit more involved and get these guys some more carries because Kalen Balazs as a lead back was very disappointing. So both he and the offensive line were disappointing. Um, I was also a little bit disappointed in Fitzpatrick today. He He had an okay game, but it was just like, I don't know. I feel like He's just, he's doing his thing, right? This is Ryan Fitzpatrick. This is who he is. This is what he does. He, he can sort of give you very mediocre numbers. He was 21 of 33 for 169 yards through an interception. It was just sort of a very blasé performance from Ryan Fitzpatrick. It was, it was just fine. I guess it was a little disappointing in that it wasn't, he didn't have the spark to it. I mean, and if the Dolphins were going to win, they might as well have won Convincingly, This was not an altogether uh convincing victory. And part of it was that Ryan Fitzpatrick didn't have the greatest game. He was also he was out for a set of downs because of uh, a concussion check that he needed to go through, which it's ridiculous that he got hit. The Dolphins went on defense and then got the ball back. And then they decided to do the concussion check on him. No, no, no. He
1: got hit. They finished their drive. Then they went on defense and then they did. Then they got the ball back and then they did the concussion.
0: That was a moment where you put on your Alex Jones hat because Josh (laughs) Rosen came in. This was a moment where the Dolphins had an opportunity to really you know, take hold of the game. And so then suddenly Ryan Fitzpatrick has to be checked for concussion. And I think you tweeted out, was this an inside job? Right. Josh (laughs) Rosen comes in and hands the ball off three times. The Dolphins end up. Doing nothing on the drive, and uh, you know this (laughs) was—I guess it was mission accomplished. If your if your team, the coaching staff is in on the tank, I really don't know that I believe that anymore. But anyway, it was it was a funny. You don't
1: sound you that wasn't very convincing. There wasn't a lot of conviction. I don't. I was just parroting your
0: talking points there, Bren. I'm just
1: saying, like it's it's fishy, but. And, and, and I think that there are moments in the game, and I, I don't want to say, like, I've softened on it. I don't, look, I don't think they're going out and trying to lose. I don't think that he's going out there and he's telling Ryan Fitzpatrick in the Jets game, hey, uh, you know, s- snap the ball and, you know, maybe you fumble the snap and you fall down in the end zone and it's a safety. But, you know, make it, I don't know that that's how, he's not going out there and he's telling Ryan Fitzpatrick to throw an interception. That's not what's happening. But, Little things throughout the game like a fourth and three inside the five when you have a lead and you wouldn't typically chase points. It's not a goal line play and you decide to go for it because you know what, you know, if we get it great, but if we don't get it, hey, we're not really trying to win anyway. That kind of thing, you know, those kinds of decisions that you know kind of endear you to the fan base that wants to see you be aggressive, but then you wonder, you know, if they were really like you know, competitive and, and trying to fight for playoff position, is that really a spot where they would have gone for it? Maybe that kind of thing. Yeah,
0: maybe maybe, maybe
1: not. Not not challenging a spot when uh the the Colts are are driving and they end up uh with a first down Uh, on a third, after, on a third down play. And then, you know, we don't challenge the spot, even though it looks very close. Uh, not challenging what appeared to be a pass interference, uh, on, I believe it was Alan Hearns, where the defender clearly hit him before the ball got there, but it wasn't ruled, uh, a pass interference. Uh, and it would have given us a first down. And instead we end up punting you know not throwing the flag on that not throwing the the challenge flag uh back in week 3 or whatever against the Cowboys when it appeared that a that Devonte Parker or Preston Williams had had a touchdown and but then you know lost control in the end zone little things like that just let me just just tell me look maybe they're not actively tanking i don't believe that they're actively if they were actively tanking they're doing a terrible job of it but Little things like that just tell me that, you know, if you've got something questionable, let's kind of err on the side of recklessness and say, yeah, if we lose, we lose.
0: All that stuff notwithstanding, what were some of your other negative takeaways, uh, other than the things that we've mentioned already from this game against Indianapolis?
1: I mean, yeah, the offensive line is bad. Kalen Balazs is Kalen Garbage. Uh, but there wasn't a whole lot of negative. Uh, it was just, this is, this is, when the Dolphins win games this year, this is what it's gonna look like. It's gonna look like they played just an okay game, but the other team screwed up more than we did. The fact that we're in the game and we're in the position to where if the other team screws up, we can win, that says a lot about where this team is now compared to where they were at the beginning of the season because at the beginning of the season they weren't even competitive in these games so it wouldn't have mattered if uh you know the quarterback went and threw three interceptions because we still would have lost by two touchdowns
0: fair enough well we're gonna get to uh the couple of twitter questions that we have here in just a moment but first we're gonna throw in our plug so if you haven't already make sure you're following us again at same old dolphins on twitter i'm at amplified to rock the brain is at aaron the brain Leave us a five star rating and review on Apple podcasts and make sure you're visiting dolphins talk.com every single day. It is your one stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. There are podcasts and columns over there on the website as well as our weekly staff predictions. So make sure you're visiting the website every day or at least every other day. It's, it's a great place to get your dolphins fix. Additionally, we are, uh, the podcast is available on every podcast source so soundcloud stitcher spotify wherever you get your podcast you can find this show so make sure you search us out and follow us and download and keep listening to the show and spread the word tell your friends as well it really helps us out a lot and finally make sure you check out our facebook page facebook.com slash same old dolphins where you can also get every episode of the same old dolphins show all right To the Twitter machine, we have some questions here. The first one comes from at the Drew Welch. He says, can we stop with the tanking talk and finally start calling it what it is, a rebuild? And I think, listen... We've we've gone over this I think at length on the podcast before whether you want to call it tanking whether you want to call it a rebuild it is what it is we know that the players are going out there every week to try to win games we know that the coaching staff unless you're Aaron the brain are going out there every week trying to win the games but the way that this organization approached the season was to strip down the roster and and make and just to strip it to down to the down to the. This tax, basically, just get it all the way down to the bases, get rid of all the fat contracts, get rid of some of the some players that aren't part of the long term vision and really start over. So if you want to call it a rebuild, it's a rebuild. If you want to call it tanking, it's tanking. Um, But, you know, my definition of what tanking is, is not going out there and actively trying to lose games, but putting together a roster that is not. Theoretically going to be capable of doing that. Uh That said, with this coaching staff, I think we are overestimating them. We or we sort of overestimated the coaching staff. They're doing a great job or underestimated them. I should say they're, they're doing a great job getting this team to a place where it's competing and has now won a couple of games. Another question came in, Brain, and I'll give this one to you from at HaitianDolphin1. With the current standings at this moment, realistically, who do you think we trade with to move up? And also, what do you think the compensation will be to get there? As a reminder, before I throw it to you, Brain, currently the Dolphins are in the four spot at a two and seven record. Picking third is the Giants, who are at two and eight. Two is Washington, who are one and eight, and the number one pick is Cincinnati at 0 and 9. So, who are we going to trade with to move up? Are we going to trade to move up? And if we do, uh, what do you think the compensation will be to get there?
1: Okay. Well, I think there's a lot of evaluating that still has to be done about these quarterbacks because uh, this week, this weekend alone, I think Joe Burrow has firmly put himself in the conversation for number one pick. Uh, I still think Tua is probably the safer pick, uh, has a little bit, you know, he's, he's more mobile and has a little bit more of a track record, but Joe Burrow has been coming up on the draft board for all season since the beginning of the year and just went toe to toe with Tua and ended up winning and granted Tua ended up after a slow start having a really good game and and making a game out of it but Joe Burrow had a great performance and while Tua is still probably the guy I, I don't think there is now a huge gap between the two. Justin Herbert a year ago, Justin Herbert was the guy that many people thought would be the number one pick if he came out last year. Uh so he, he there's still some evaluating to do there. Now, depending on what the Dolphin how the Dolphins view these quarterbacks, if they view Justin Herbert as a guy or Joe Burrow as a guy that they wouldn't mind taking uh with their with their first pick, then if they're sitting at four. They might not have to trade up. Uh, they might just say, "All right, we're happy with any of these three guys, and we'll take whoever's there." I'd throw Jake Fromm in there as well. Um, I mean, I'm not sold on Fromm and Herbert yet, but uh, that's where they might not feel like they need to move up. But if there's if it's Tua or Burrow that they're they're like, we got to get one of these guys. If if they feel the same about both. Then that's going to help them save some draft capital because then you don't need to trade up to number one. If you're sitting at number four, if you got Cincinnati at one and Washington at two, remember Washington took Haskins. They look, they might think they might like Tua, Burrow, Herbert better than Haskins, but it might not be so much so that you can't trade them off the pick because they did draft Haskins last year. So. Look, if you're going to move up from four to two, obviously you're doing a pick swap with the, with your current first round pick. I think you probably got to give up your next year's first round pick and then either one of the other two firsts that you have or a second, either in this year's draft or next year's draft. But I think it's going to take, you know, the, the, Two first because the one that you have that you're swapping an extra first and then a and then either a late first like the two picks that we have the Steelers and the Texans or an additional second.
0: Yeah, it's unlikely that that is going to be well. Certainly not going to be a cheap trade. And yeah, I think you're going to have to part with at least one of those first year first-round draft picks in this year's draft, if not potentially both, is my thought on that. Another question came in from Vargas, or at Vargas218Vargas, which offensive tackle are we looking at in the first round to replace Laramie Tunsell? That's an interesting one because I think, I certainly think we're going to be drafting some offensive linemen this year. Um, I don't know that we're going to be in the running for some of those Top top offensive linemen, unless we again make some trades. Uh, but I also think free agency is an answer here. But what are your thoughts on that, Brain? Which offensive tackle are we looking at the first round, or I'll I'll add or elsewhere to replace Laramie Tunsil?
1: Yeah. So n- w- n- you and I are not huge, uh, you know, scouting guys, draft prospect guys. I tend to. I don't watch enough college football. I don't watch nearly as much as I used to uh, back. But uh, you know, <laughs> back when I was single, you know, I, I could sit down on a on a Saturday afternoon and say, hey, I got nothing to do. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch you know three college football games back to back to back." But now I I don't do that. Um, so I like to spend time with the family on the weekend or, or get away and from from sports for the weekend. So. Uh, I don't know, or at least for Saturday, because I know that on Sunday I'm going to be watching the Dolphins and I'm going to be miserable. Uh, so I, the short answer is I can't tell you who the, the top tackles are right now projected for the draft. What I can tell you is, is that with the sizable amount of money, we're going to have like a hundred million dollars in cap space going into this season or this off season. And we're probably not even going to use half of it, but you probably don't even need to use half of it. And you can get seven, eight, nine really solid contributors on your team. The model for this team is not going to be to break the bank on any position, especially offensive line. Just look at the Patriots model and their highest paid offensive line and makes eight and a half million a year. Um, so I wouldn't expect us to spend a ton of money in free agency, but what I would expect is we're going to sign a tackle and we're going to draft at least one tackle.
0: Yeah, and while he's certainly not a tackle, the offensive lineman that we know that this organization has their line, has their eyes on is uh, Joe Tooney, who's currently with the New England Patriots. We know that that's a yeah. guy that this coaching staff thinks very highly of. So it would not be surprising at all to see the Dolphins uh, splash out some cash to – have Joe Tooney land in their offensive line to protect Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh Rosen, probably not Tua Tagovailoa, maybe Joe Burrow, maybe Justin Herbert, maybe Jake Fromm. Who knows? Whoever it is, the idea is that hopefully uh, Joe Tooney is going to be there to help protect them a little bit next season. And that is going to wrap us up on this episode of the same old Dolphins show. So, Brand, do you have any parting words that you would like to share with the people before we go?
1: No, nah, I mean, <laughs> if 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 you if you're a fan of this team, it feels good to win, but it feels better to win long-term. And so just like I did last year when I was the only person that was bitter after the the miracle in Miami or whatever, it is better for this team to lose going forward. We need to lose some football games. I'm not in the whole, like, well, you got to bench Ryan Fitzpatrick thing because we you got to tank. Because, look, you still have to try to win football games. You, you've got, you got you, – Ryan Flores has to do what's right for his job and for the locker room. And he's trying – you're also trying to evaluate more than just the quarterback position. But – we got to figure out a way to lose some, some more games. we got to get back to our losing ways. we got to get back to making it look good, but still finding a way to lose.
0: Fair enough. And uh, as you sort of implied at the beginning, this is the season where we thought, okay, the Dolphins are going to lose. They're going to get the number one draft pick. Everything is going, coming up roses. We're doing it. We're doing this new approach, and it's all going to work out. And now they've won two games and we're somewhat disappointed because, after all, they are the same old dolphins. Everybody, take care of yourselves and each other, and we will talk to you again next time. Bye bye, everybody. Go, Dolphin!